dudes getting lost on the river, this is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home. For the uninitiated, Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by RPGera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, he is the co-host of Blood and Destroyers, and All Elite Wrestling Podcast every Monday, it is Sev. Hello, I'm back again. Um, back again, baby. Back again like a bad rash. Um, this week, Brian, I thought we were going to do a little uh, reunion, so I did a little reunion meet, and this week we are Brian's Rescue Squad. <laughs> Look at Dan! <laughs> yes, he's the little kid with the thumbs up in the corner. He looks Amish. <laughs> Fair enough. Is um, that Sean as the cat? Is Sean's that a cat? A, yeah, Sean's a pink cat. You are who I guess is Ryan. I've never actually seen the show. Um, I am a panda, and then I Kyle is who I'm guessing is the bad guy or bad girl. <laughs> there we are, Brian's rescue. Yep. We almost had a reunion this week. Sean was interested. You, myself, and Kyle were planning to record this show yesterday, but we had to move some things around. So it is just the two of us once again. But that's okay. We have a good show lined up. Special shout out to Akam's Laser for a majority of the music you'll hear today during the podcast. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor. If you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. As always, it does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. Sev, let's jump right into it. Let's get started with what's new with you. And this week, you and I are discussing two games that recently dropped as part of Xbox Game Pass. So let's kick things off with Loot River, a game that I chose last week as my pick of the week. You and I were high, pretty high on both of these games, actually. Yeah. Um, Loot River actually came out on Tuesday. Trek to Yomi was on Thursday. We'll, we'll talk about Trek to Yomi here in just a bit. We're going to start with Loot River. And tell me how you're feeling on Loot River. See, I'm so, so, yeah, in an odd balance with Loot River. The, the art style is really nice. The atmosphere that the game brings is really nice. The way the platforms move in this spatial block puzzle works really well um i'm not finding the same sluggish combat that i think kyle mentioned um i really like this game the issue lies in with the fact that it's it's a pure roguelike and that i'm getting practically no progression every time i die that's the same issue i'm running into right like and i love roguelikes i am a big fan of hades i'm a big fan of dead cells um, I, I really appreciate roguelikes and I always tend to find myself gravitating toward them when they release. So I was really looking forward to Loot River. And like you, I'm a big fan of the art style and the and the visuals. I think it's actually quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, you know, some of the textures and environments that you do see, they're 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 nice to look at. Um 
the combat has been sort of a struggle for me, kind of like it has been for Kyle. I wouldn't say that it's sluggish, but I don't feel like it flows as fluid and smooth as roguelikes generally do. And I think that has been causing me some issues. Now, it's also a relatively challenging game as well, right? Like, even the normal enemies in the first area that you are exploring, they pack a punch. And if you don't get out of the way, if you make one simple mistake, you tend to die pretty quick from what I've noticed. My issue, and and before I get to my issue, I also love the puzzle aspect of this game. Like actually moving around the platforms, trying to figure out how to get through the maps because every, well, not every platform, but a majority of the platforms that you go onto are basically like rafts on a river. And you can move these platforms around to navigate about and you have to utilize that to somehow, you know, get up onto the second level sometimes, navigate through these tight corridors with a very specific platform that you need to figure out Tetra style, how to move stuff around to get that platform up to the forefront so that way you can kind of move through. I think that aspect of the game is really entertaining and I do enjoy it. But my issue with this game is the same one that you're running into, the same one that Kyle's running into, and the same one that I've seen a lot of people complaining about over the last week since this game has released, is that no matter what, you have to make it through an area in order to save anything that you're doing. It's not like Hades where... You know, after you die, you still are able to progress. It's not like Dead Cells, where after you die, you do kind of get some sort of, not necessarily rewards, but the ability to make your character stronger. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like roguelikes excel in is the dying over and over. But as you die and as you do these runs, your character slowly gets stronger. Here in Loot River, Your character isn't slowly getting stronger. When you die, you basically go back to as if you never stepped foot in the area that you were in and you're back to zero. And unless I'm doing something wrong, I don't know how to get stronger. So I have found there are, if you pick up artifacts or modifiers, I think they're essentially modifiers. Um, if you get back to the town and you talk to Ifla, I think her name is it starts with an I, so I can't really can't pronounce it properly. Um, but the the monument in the middle of the room is yes. the modifier section. So I have got about four or five modifiers now. Now one of the modifiers is um, have a random selection of um, weapons when you st- when you restart a run, but they're only weapons that you've already purchased in the shop. Um, so I did mention on Discord, I managed to get through a run by, cause if you can do the underground sewer in two minutes, in under two minutes, you'll get a big bunch of, uh, knowledge, which is what's used to buy the upgrades. Right. You can kind of upgrade your skills and your abilities that way with the, with the person standing over by the campfire. Yeah. So the only issue with like speed running the, the first part is I think it only works once until you die. Um, so it's not like you can continually grind that if I remember if I'm thinking rightly. So therefore you can only buy stuff in the shop up to the value of I think you only get about 20, 20 knowledge. 
Um, so I managed to buy I managed to buy a hat and I managed to buy a dagger. Um, so now my three starting weapons are either a dagger, a sword, or a spear. Um, and then I've got a couple of other mod- uh, modifiers. One of them is to um, put an optional boss in the sewer. Another one is to make less corridors in the first city. Um, and I've got one or two others as well. I've not escaped the first city yet. Obviously, I went through the sewers, right? Like the area that you go when you leave north from that camp. Mm-hmm. I've gotten through that just fine. But I've never successfully gotten through the first city yet. And I'm not saying the first city because I don't know the name. That's literally what the area is called, the first city. Yeah, yeah. So. Sunken sewer and the first yeah, city. I did find what is not the final boss of the first city. I did come across like a mini boss or something that I was able to defeat. Right. But I've still not actually made it to the end of the first city to actually get out of there and save all the knowledge that I've gotten, you know, everything that I could actually use to upgrade. I keep dying before I find the end. And I've never actually, I keep getting lost. That's why I opened up with lost on the river. Like I keep getting lost in there. I don't know where to go, which is fine. I don't mind that aspect. But what I'm struggling with is the fact that loot river doesn't feel complete to me. It feels like it's in like a beta state almost where it doesn't feel like a complete game. And roguelikes, like I said, I I love them and I tend to gravitate towards them because I enjoy the gameplay loop of dying and getting stronger. But I'm not getting stronger when I die. And I'm very frustrated with Loot River to the point where I may uninstall it and never go back to it because I'm just not having fun. Yeah, so I mentioned in the Discord where, and I will say this, like, there is no boss at the end of the first city. Like, so that optional boss that you find in there is just a little optional mini boss. Like, you'll get out of the first city and you'll go back to Sanctuary. And then from Sanctuary, like, when you come up from the sunken city, you come up from the left-hand side of the screen. When Once you come out of the first city, you'll come up from an area on the right-hand side of the screen. Then you can go back into that area to go up to the next level. So I come out of the sunken city, come out of the first city with only a little bit of knowledge, not enough knowledge to actually buy any upgrades. Um, so I went, um, I went to, I went to the next, followed the next part. Um, it takes me to a boss area. So I, I managed to beat this boss, and that's only because um, there's a guy who has health potions, and you can invest your health potions, which is kind of a cool idea, right? Like yeah. you can turn in your potions and if you get back to him he basically doubles them yeah so the best tactic for that is to give him four potions at the beginning of the sunken sewer bum rush your way through the sunken sewer in the space of like under two minutes if you can you don't really need to fight anything unless it's on your platform or you try to move um get out of there with your 20 knowledge and you'll go back to him and you'll have an extra four potions so therefore you have eight eight potions and then give him four potions again and then go through the first city and come back and then have 12 potions i think you just keep investing four potions and that's how you keep your uh your health up throughout the game because i couldn't find anywhere else to buy potions but yeah so anyway i beat this boss um and it, it gave me a, a bunch of stuff i got like a false king um modifier i got this cool sword i got 66 knowledge i got like 100 plus coins and i was like fucking awesome and i'll buy some upgrades with this leads me out of the door and it doesn't lead me back to sanctuary it leads me to a brand new area and i'd (laughs) I'd spent all my health potions beating this boss yeah um because he was he was an absolute bastard 
Um, and then, yeah, I, I died in this area just trying to find a way out and not battling these. Because you come across new enemies with swords and shields. You come enemies that look like werewolves and will run at you. And I died and I dropped everything. And then it was back to the sunken sewer with absolutely nothing. So so you would, you would have to beat that boss again to get everything that he gave you the first time. So that's what I'm what I'm thinking is hopefully if I get if I get to where that boss was, that boss will be dead already and I can just carry on. If I if that's not the case and I get there and I have to fight that boss, then that means that every time I die I'll have to go through that shitty boss fight again and I'm not doing that. That's that's <laughs> like where I draw the line. That's that's where you uninstall the game at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like I haven't been back on it since I lost all my things, but it's still installed. I still might go back and play it. But if that turns out that the loop the loop is like that, then yeah, I'm not I'm not out for going through eight or nine bosses to try and get to the end every time I I die because my platform's too small and I couldn't roll out of the way in time because there was nowhere to roll to. I haven't been back in Loot River since Wednesday. So I played it on Tuesday for a few hours. I jumped into it on Wednesday and I tried to do a few runs just to kind of see like, is this something I want to try to invest in? Is this something that I want to spend time with? And I'm getting frustrated after like 30 minutes to 45 minutes of each run. Like, and to me, that's not fun. Like, I enjoy roguelikes because they're fun to me. I tend not to get frustrated. Again, the dying over and over is not frustrating to me because I know that through death, I'm going to get stronger. But I'm not getting stronger. I'm just running into a wall and not having fun. And right now, there are so many things out there to play that are so much more fun that I think I'm just wasting time if I'm trying to trudge my way through Loot River. Like, it's a very missed opportunity for me for this roguelike that had a lot of promise and a lot of potential because of the platforms that you can move around in this puzzle-like manner. That's such a cool idea. But I feel like that being a cool idea, everything else kind of like fell under the radar and wasn't nearly as polished as it should have been. So there's a good chance that I do not return to Loot River at this point. I have been trying to push through and finish Horizon Forbidden West. I'm actually nearing the end of that game. I have uncovered the entire map. I've done everything that is basically side quest related at this point. There are still a few side quests that I have to do in Horizon, but I've gone on and unlocked like all the rebel camps. I have all the campfires unlocked. I have all the fog cleared off the map. I've done a majority of everything in that game. And at this point, I'm just focusing on main missions and a few of the side missions that have been put on hold because they, you know, unlock again later in the story. And I'm just having more fun with that. And and to me, I'd rather invest my time where I'm having fun as opposed to where I'm frustrated. Yeah. Similarly, I, I really want to like this game. I really want I do like this game. It's just that uh, if the developers that allow you to keep like coins or your knowledge at the end of each run, 
then we'd be making progress and I'd make my way through this game. And I feel like that's the way it should be because that's how the other roguelikes are. Like Hades, you keep shit, you know, you don't keep everything, but you keep a certain amount of shit that you find in your runs. Dead Cells, you keep a certain amount of shit that you find in your runs because again, death makes you stronger in a roguelike, at least it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Here in Loot River, I feel like you're punished for dying and that's not a good feeling. No, so as you said, there are there are much there are there are better ways to spend your time than this uh, this constant cycle. So I've I've recently started playing uh, Mario Mario Super Rush Golf. Uh, that's what I've been playing for the past few days. I'm playing with the motion controls. I think I might have twisted my back um, doing a big swing. But what what? Oh, are you playing the what are you playing? Mario Golf Super Rush. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're playing the the golf game that I haven't finished yet. Yeah, yeah. And I will say the the story mode's not actually that bad. I'm quite enjoying it. No, it's a good game. It's a really enjoyable game. But yeah. Did you pick um, up Switch Sports? No, I didn't. After me neither. I was I was high on it, and then the reviews started coming out, and I was like, yeah, the the rose tinted glasses came off at that point, and I kind of realized, yeah, it is. It is just a Switch Sports, and there is no no single player content really, apart from just playing just playing the sport. And once that's over, that's that's it, and you can go back and do the do the match again. But you're not there's nothing else there. And for someone who doesn't, I don't have Switch Online, so I don't because I don't play online games. Then yeah, unless I want to hold a tennis racket with each Joy Cons, then <laughs> play, play by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could play by myself anyway, but. Well, I mean, <laughs> Do I want to make it even harder? Um, yeah, so I didn't pick it up. I will eventually still probably get Switch Sports because, you know, I, I think it would be a fun party game. But I tend not to play online that much either. I do have Nintendo Switch online, but I don't utilize it that much. But I think that once Switch Sports, you know, once golf comes out later this year, um, there will be probably enough enjoyment at that point for me to warrant picking it up. But for now, I've skipped it. And I may try to wait for it to be on sale. Yeah, I have a theory that maybe this is why the golf wasn't in the base game. Is that um, they don't put golf in the base game. Then people will go, oh, I want to buy it, but I really want the golf. The golf's not actual layer. Oh, I really want a golf game. So they'll do exactly what I did. And when I want to play golf, oh, when I got Mario Super Rush instead. I think I'm more looking forward to Mario Strikers Battle League. Next yeah, I'm going to pick that up as well. Yeah, I think I'll definitely pick that up because that should be a lot of fun. And we'll likely have like a, an actual campaign like all the Mario sports games do, like Mario mm -hmm. Tennis, Mario Golf. There's usually some sort of campaign in there that's enjoyable. So I am looking forward to that. But Loot River, man, I think I might be done. Yeah, might have got as much loot out of that river as I... It wasn't, it wasn't easy pickings. There you go. There's a river reference for you guys. <laughs> The other game that came out last week on Game Pass on Thursday is Trek to Yomi. And this one, you've already finished it. Kyle's uh -huh. already finished it. I'm on chapter three. I'm really enjoying Trek to Yomi. Yeah, take it away. So obviously Kyle and I did a episode last year or the year before. I can't remember on um, Kurosawa and his film style which Ghost of Tsushima was closely related to. And Trek to Yomi, to me, it feels even more Kurosawa than Ghost of Tsushima did. Because, first of all, it's only in black and white. There is no color option in this game. 
the game is absolutely fucking gorgeous, dude. Like the presentation and the visuals are just mind blowing with how everything looks in this black and white style with the film grain on there with this old movie style presentation. And I, to me, Trek to Yomi feels, and I was talking to Kyle about this. It feels more like a movie that you're playing through than a game. Yeah, I can agree with that. There is, yeah, that seems to be more, um, more cinematic than it does like gameplay. If you get me, not that you're in cutscenes constantly, but the game is much more cinematic. It's, than it's you cinematic are even when you're walking around, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. cinematic when you're just going and a majority of the game is side scrolling, right? Like left to right, but there are some elements of exploration to be had here because there's certain hidden paths that you can explore. There's doors that you can go into usually to find a collectible or an upgrade or something like that. And other than that though, there's not a ton going on in Trek to Yomi. The combat's no. not super in depth. It's there's not a ton to do. So it feels more like a, a, a 1950s, 1960s samurai movie that you're just playing through. And to me, that's really fucking cool. The game is relatively short as well. Both you and Kyle finished it in under five hours a piece. Yeah. So I know it's not long, so it really just feels like an extended movie. And I'm okay with that because the narrative that's being told, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. Um, as you said, the combat isn't isn't necessarily uh, very deep. Um, it is different from what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot of slashy, slashy. Um, but it's not. It, there is more, more like there's more block. strategy. Yeah, there's yeah, more strategy more block blocking parries uh, right. to open people up before you can cut them down. And enemies don't last super long. It's not they're not bullet sponges or no slash two to three hit, two to three hits and they're done. Yeah, yeah, you can normally take them out pretty fast. Um, you do get a bunch of enemy types, but you just have to strategize your way around it. I will say the um the story does kind of like splinter off. Like um, you do get like a multiple choice path of which oh, way you can okay. go. I, am I so, am I getting close to that? I'm in chapter three. Yeah, so I think that's in. It might be in chapter four. Okay, because um, I was gonna say I haven't I haven't encountered that yet, but I know you said there's about seven chapters. Yeah, yeah, I think each chapter is like thirty to forty minutes, so we'd round it out to about five hours. Um, but yeah, you get to pick like uh for love, for honor, or for revenge, and they will lead you like in different ways. What did you choose? I I personally went for love because I need some love. Can't find it. Um, what did Kyle, Kyle choose? Kyle went for duty. So I'm gonna have to choose the third one to see what happens. Yeah, maybe. But then, yeah, we we could discuss what happened. But my my memory's terrible, so I'll just be like, yeah, I fought some people and I killed the boss. <laughs> <laughs> could have been the same as you. I don't know. Which is probably good. What I'm gonna do, right? Fight some people and kill a boss. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. You know what I actually like about the combat, too, and something that I wasn't expecting is that you have to push a button to face the other direction in combat. You do. And my favorite part was um, you get one of the upgrades is just like uh, if you press the opposite direction and the X button, if we're on Xbox, um, he will do like a slash behind him and turn right yes, at the same time. Absolutely. That's so satisfying. And you can uh, you upgrade a little bit so you can sort of combo combo into it so you can hit the X like two or three times. Yeah, I find that to be like an absolutely great strategy. I, I literally turn my back to people, wait for them to come to me just so I could turn around and cut into them because I felt like that was like a quicker intro and they didn't have time to block sort of thing. Um, 
that that tend to work for me 90% of the time. Yeah, I've enjoyed the combat for the most part. Like, um, again, it's not super heavy on combat, right? Like, you run around and you're just kind of slashing at enemies and there's not a ton to do. But the combat that is there and the combos that you have, the abilities that you have, I've actually really enjoyed the gameplay of Trek to Yomi. Um, I did see some of the reviews talking about how like we were making jokes in Discord after it came out like Trudge to Yomi or right before yeah. we all played it. Right. Like none of us had played it yet. And we were like, oh, man, hopefully it's not like a like a Trudge to Yomi or anything like that. But I haven't really found any complaints for myself that other people were having. But I think that is because I enjoy those classic samurai Kurosawa films so much. And I think a lot of people were anticipating this to be like Ghost of Tsushima Light to an extent. Yes, yes. He definitely gave off those Ghost of Tsushima vibes in the in the trailer. Um, but yeah, but it was I, never meant to be compared to it. Same presentation, right? Same artistic uh, inspiration, I guess by completely different loop and style than what Ghost of Tsushima had, right? Ghost of Tsushima was a typical open world style game where you mm-hmm. had so much shit to do, so much shit to find, so many main story quests to do, many stories to get lost in. Whereas here in Trek to Yomi, there's one narrative like you would have in a movie until obviously you get to that split apparently in like chapter four or whatever. But even then, once you get that split, you're just on your own and you're just going down your path i guess like there's still not a ton of deviation not a ton of side quests that i've noticed and unless i'm mistaken not really a ton of reason to actually try to explore now there are some things that are worth finding but a lot of the collectibles that i'm finding i don't know what the reason for them is if any reason at all no obviously you get your stamina upgrades and your health upgrades and there are other collectibles artifacts or relics or something um, and they are in your menu for you to look at. But I don't think I. But that's um, it. They're just there to yeah. look at. But yeah, this is nothing like Ghost of Tsushima. It's much more like a um, like a visual samurai experience with combat in in it. And if you right. go into that expecting that, then you'll have a great time. If you go in and looking for Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, you ain't going to find it. Now, you and I and Kyle, both all, or all three of us played this through Game Pass. I was, when I was playing Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5, I was kind of browsing through the store, and I did notice that this game is selling for $20. Would you have been satisfied spending $20 on this game? Mm, I'm not sure. I know in the UK it's like $15.99, which is $20 to you guys. Yeah, I don't think that's not a massive ass to be honest. And uh, it's not we- a it's not a super high price, but I don't I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much had I spent twenty dollars as opposed to playing it for free through Game Pass. Yeah. See I'll link it to really Sifu's um Sifu's like a similar type of game in that it's purely a combat game. Um, I know it's got different mechanics, and it's yeah, it's it's apples and oranges, really. Still but, never played Sifu yet either. I've not played it. No, but the the physical edition of Sifu's just come out, and obviously, um, and that's like thirty two quid over here, and I'm pretty sure on the store it's about thirty pounds as well, um, which is closer to forty dollars. So I think if I'd paid forty dollars for Sifu or pay fifteen pound for Trek to Yomi. I think I'd, I would have preferred to pay £15 for Trek to Yomi. I'd, I I'd think pick. Trek to Yomi is probably a... 
a more enjoyable game for me than Sifu. There's a reason I haven't jumped into Sifu yet. Like, I was super big into Sifu before it released, and then I saw people playing it, and I was like, man, I don't know that I would actually enjoy this all that much. Yeah, now had Sifu released at the same price as Track the Yomi, I would have picked it up, but not, not for twice the price. I might try to Gamefly the physical version of Sifu, actually, just to kind of play through it, because I don't know that I would ever physically purchase that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the beauty of, of Game Pass, right? Like, And we talk about this all the time, is the ability to play some of these games without having to spend a dime on them. And if you don't like it, you're not out that money. You're not out that investment. Had I purchased Loot River, I yeah. would have been so fucking mad, dude. But yeah, if I if I'd have paid fifty ninety nine for Loot River, I'd be angry. If I'd have paid thirty two pound for Loot River, because I was hyped for Loot River. If the, if it had cost me money, I would have paid for it. If I'd have paid thirty two pounds for this, I'd be losing my shit on this podcast right now. <laughs> I, having a rag on yeah and that's the beauty of game pass is that it gives you the ability to play some of these not only smaller games but triple a games like outriders right Mm -hmm. like i know techie geek is a massive fan of outriders but i wasn't super sold on it and i'm not a huge fan of it so i got to jump into outriders spend my time in it thanks to game pass and i figured out that this game just wasn't for me and i never went back to it that's what I like. And that's kind of going back to the conversation that we had uh, last week or the week before about PlayStation's forced game trials. Like, I think that could be why some of these developers might put more work into their games going forward. Like, I appreciate getting to try something without having to spend money on it to see if it is something that I'm going to enjoy. Yeah, I can definitely see that side of it. But I think Trek to Yomi is definitely an experience that if you have Game Pass, you should definitely check it out. It is worth every second that you spend. I was going to say every penny, but you're not spending a penny if you're in Game Pass. But every second that you spend in Trek to Yomi, to me, has been enjoyable. And I think this is a great Game Pass game. But I also think that if you don't have Game Pass, if you just have the ability to play it on PlayStation or PC or whatever... It's probably worth the $20. I think this game is. If you know what you're going in with, if you know what you're getting when you're going in, then yeah, it's worth the money. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. But I'm curious if we will keep getting some of these Kurosawa-style games. Like, these Sam- like obviously, I, I have to assume Ghost of Tsushima will get a sequel at some point, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. no way that... Uh, that Gorilla Games is going to abandon that anytime soon. Or not Gorilla Games, Sucker Punch. I'm yeah. sure they're not going to <laughs> abandon that anytime soon. Um, Gorilla is Horizon, which is why I have them on the brain. <laughs> But yeah, there's no way Sucker Punch is not going to do a follow up to Ghost of Tsushima. And I wouldn't be shocked if Trek to Yomi didn't get a sequel at some point in the future as well. But I also wouldn't be shocked if there were other games kind of taking inspiration, not only from Kurosawa himself, but also with how well Ghost of Tsushima did in the mainstream. I think other people are going to try to lean into that a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a few more games that have this presentation and style in the future i'd like to see that to be fair Um, i would too i think yeah we need carl here to tell us what yomi means i think does yomi mean heaven or hell i don't know okay i was just wondering where he can track to next yomi is the japanese word for land of the dead land of the dead fair thank you 
According to Shinto mythology as related to Kojiki, this is where the dead go to dwell and apparently rot indefinitely. Once one has eaten at the hearth of Yomi, it is impossible re- to return to the land of the living. So Interesting. So maybe maybe we go like maybe we get a follow up in the land of the dead or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. But that is our two games. And that was what's new with you. Unless you have anything else that's been new with you over the last week that we could talk about. Anything new with you, Sev, outside of these two games? No, I, I brought um, today I brought um, Star Ocean Integrity and Faithfulness. Uh, oh, did so, you? Yeah, because I would have finished it, even though I know it's trash. I've just got the hang to play it. Um, I, you know, I it's not my favorite Star Ocean, but I don't think it's trash. Like, I enjoyed it, but I always generally enjoy Star Ocean. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to the new Star Ocean later this year. I hope it's good. I think that's why I've got an itch to play it is because I'm waiting for the new Star Ocean games. I just want just some Star Ocean um, to tide me over. I wonder so. when we'll hear about that game again because it's, you know, it's, I'm assuming, still on track to come out this year. But who knows? That might lead into something that we have kind of in the lightning round that we're going to kick to right, right now. now. It's time for the Sean Waltman lightning round. Sev, we have four things to talk about here in the Sean Waltman lightning round. It's not going to take long to get through. I feel like we've been outside of the same stuff that we've been talking about, right? Like the Sony acquisitions, the um, the PlayStation Plus tiers coming out, the schedule kind of coming into play for E3 Summer Game Fest. We haven't had a ton of things to talk about in terms of news, and I'm trying not to just talk about the same stuff every week here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of had we've kind of had our first quarter and into the second quarter big releases like Elden Ring and, and Horizon and stuff like that, and now we're kind of we're waiting for the E3 season to show us what's out for the rest of the year. So yeah, we are kind of in a lull with like news and um, releases, really. We should be picking up toward the end of this month, and especially with the beginning of next month. There should be a lot of announcements to talk about, a lot of exciting things to talk about, but it has been kind of a lull right now. So we have four things. We'll take two apiece. We'll put 10 minutes on the clock. The lightning round begins right now. The Summer Game Fest 2022 showcase has been announced for this year as expected and will be taking place on June 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Seth's time. <laughs> I'm just going to start calling it Sev's time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's general mountain time, right? But I'm just, I think it's, uh, I think it's more appropriate to call it it's, Sev's time. Uh, Greenwich mean time, general mountain time, Greenwich mean time, <laughs> the center of time that is Brian, just uh, for all you USA people over there. General mountain time. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> But either way, uh, the Cross Industry Showcase will feature world premieres, trailers, news, and updates from the world's top game developers and platforms. This should be one of our two big showcases for this week. Obviously, the other one being the Microsoft Bethesda Showcase. Yeah. And hopefully I will be able to get this day off work. I don't know that I'll be able to. I may not be able to do this live but I'm going to try my hardest. If I can't do it live, I will put up a reaction video after I get off work because there's no way I'm going to miss this. Yeah, see, I'm going to have to remember to book this off as well, and I'll have to remember to put that um, application in before this podcast goes live, so before Viz hears it and decides to book it off for himself. Um, <laughs> i write that in my memos for tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> 
Xbox Game Pass editions for May are starting to roll out. Available last week were Luke River and Trek to Yomi. Available the day this podcast drops are Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition, Eudian Chronicle Rising, and This War of Mine Final Cut. And available on Thursday is NHL 22, also revealed upcoming on May the 17th, is Umagami Generation, a first-person photography game set in the shitty future. I love the description of that game. You actually right. put this to my attention, Umurangi Generation. Uh, it does look cool. I did see it on the, you know, Game Pass coming soon on the Xbox, you know, app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I'll definitely check out. I'm also excited to check out um, Ayudin Chronicle Rising. I will absolutely be playing that. Yeah. I likely will play through this War of Mine final cut. I have played some of this War of Mine on PC, but I never did finish it. I'm a huge fan of Danganronpa, but I don't know that I'll play through that again because I've already played the shit out of all the Danganronpa games and there's nothing new there for me. But there's a good chance I also install NHL 22 and just check it out. Like, that's what I love. Again, that's what I love about Game Pass is yeah. I don't have to buy these sports titles and I know I'm going to get to play them at some point. I don't get to play them right away, but I get to play them at some point. And I generally like playing through like Madden, MLB The Show, you know, NBA 2K22, NHL. Like, I like playing these games. I just don't like spending money on them. Yeah, yeah. They, once the once the new one, the next game iteration comes out, the one that you currently got is pretty much worthless. Exactly. So not having to spend a dime on it is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a couple of games I'm definitely going to check out. That you had in Chronicle Rising, um, this War of Mine I already own. I've not actually played. Um, it looks like a sad game, so I'm not sure if I want to play that at the moment. Um, but yeah, it is. It is a sad game. It's it's a game that uh, it, it tells the story of war really well. And like, you know, how average citizens suffer in that regard. Yeah. 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 Which is very relevant to what's going on in the world right now. Right. Yeah. Dreamstorm Studios has announced a story driven puzzle game titled Naru the Forgotten Lands for PC, PS5 and Xbox series. A release date was not yet announced. Naru the Forgotten Lands is a story driven puzzle game based on satisfying exploration. Become a piece of light whose mission is to wander around the island once inhabited by a mysterious civilization and discover a story of its disappearance. Search the ruins to enter a memories dimension and discover the story of people who are no more. The greatest secrets are always hidden and protected. Learn how to solve ancient puzzles and find valuable knowledge. I like puzzle games, so I probably will give this a shot at some point. I have a feeling Frank would be high on this game, too. He is a big fan of puzzle games. Yeah, puzzle games make you feel stupid, so they're not my, um, not really my forte. I like the idea that you become a piece of light. How, how do you become a piece of light? Surely light's got to have a start point for light to be a light. You just, yeah, okay, I'm lost already. This game makes me feel stupid already. <laughs> <laughs> right. According to producer Nakiota Yoshida, the latest trailer for Final Fantasy 16 is already complete and coming soon. And apparently, the game is basically done. There was a trailer. The trailer was recently delayed due to reasons, in quote, which has led to a lot more speculation that Sony is actually in the midst of acquiring the rest of Square Enix after they sold off a ton of their properties and IPs to the Embracer Group the other week. 
And I think that actually might be the case, right? That might be why we haven't heard anything about Star Ocean lately. That might be why we haven't seen anything on Final Fantasy 16 lately. This trailer being delayed for quote-unquote reasons because we heard weeks ago or last month or something that a trailer was going to be dropping soon for Final Fantasy 16 and mm-hmm. then it just never did. So, and and we were discussing in Discord because Kyle was saying that, you know, there was no way that Final Fantasy 16 wouldn't release on Xbox series because all that work that had been done, the game was never announced for Xbox in the first place. Final Fantasy 16 was only ever announced for PlayStation 5. So I think the trailer being delayed, everything that's been happening, obviously Square Enix getting all their properties on the Western side over to Embracer Group, which you and I were talking about before we started recording, has like a fuck ton of studios now. Mm -hmm. It is just insane how much Embracer Group actually has. Not only do they have all these new um, studios that they just got from Square Enix, but they also have, you know, the entirety of THQ Nordic, Saber Interactive. Kosh Media, Gearbox Entertainment, Easy Brain, Decca Games, Dark Horse Media, Coffee Stain Holding, Asmodee, and Amplifier Games. They have a fuck ton of studios and a fuck ton of games in development. Like, it's pretty amazing that one studio has all that shit. But I, I do, it just, with all of these rumors that Square Enix, or I'm sorry, that Sony is making a major acquisition, Greg Miller talking about it, Jeff Grubb talking about it, you know, guys that have their ears to the ground way more than we do, especially in terms of PlayStation stuff, there has to be some sort of fire underneath all this smoke. Like, this smoke is coming from somewhere, dude. Yeah, I think all, all, all signs point that way at this point. As you said, we we don't want to talk about the same things consistently over and over each week. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're locking in now. Um, Do you think that there will be a major PlayStation state of play toward the end of this month or sometime next month? Because Sony typically has been skipping E3 for several years now. They've been skipping that week. They've been doing their own stuff with the state of play. Do you think we might get, like, the biggest state of play we have ever had? I think the biggest state of play may have been around 40 minutes at one point. There's potential that we could get, like, an hour to an hour and a half worth of a state of play where we see God of War Ragnarok, where we see Final Fantasy 16, and where they announce that they've acquired Square Enix. Yeah, so I feel like E3, E3s have passed. We've had Microsoft always gone first, and then Sony have gone... Sony have gone the next day or they've gone later that day. They've always usually been on a Monday. Microsoft's been doing Sunday and Nintendo's been Tuesday. Yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo for us was always like the morning after, um, the night before. Um, but yeah, and Sony does like to take Microsoft's thunder. Um, so with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we do see a state of play come just after, not before, not before Summer Games Fest, just after the Xbox um, Big Bethesda thing. And regardless of what Xbox show there, PlayStation are going to come out with, yeah, as you said, Ragnarok, now we own Square Enix. Here's Final Fantasy 16. And, then and that would whatever. be a good chance for us to see like, you know, and here's an update on Star Ocean and here's an update on Valkyrie Elysium and here's an update on... Dragon Quest, 
Dragon Quest, yeah, we're still waiting to see, you know, Dragon Quest 3 HD and Dragon Quest 12 and Dragon Quest, uh, the other Dragon Quest that got announced. What was that other one? Like Treasure or something, right? There's another Dragon Quest that was there's announced. There's 12, there's Dragon, Point, Dra- Dragon Quest 3.25 over five, six days or something. And then, <laughs> um, and then yeah, yeah, the Treasure one with Terry in it. Yeah. Dragon Quest Treasures, that's exactly what it's called, yeah. And I mean, that could also give us a chance to see other, you know, Square Enix titles because Square Enix did uh, hold on to properties like Life is Strange. Maybe we would see a new Life is Strange announced since that, you know, uh, the most recent one, Colors, is done, right? So there could be something like that. Maybe we would see updates on some of these Switch games that have been announced by Square Enix, like the Deofold Chronicles, things like that. Yeah, yeah. It is possible. Shit, maybe we'll see Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. I doubt ah, it. Keep dreaming, yeah, yeah. Keep dreaming, true. exactly. No, it's coming. It's just going to be a while. It's just going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to be a long while. Oh, we don't have any delays to talk about this week, but we do have two release dates to confirm. Red Out 2 is releasing on May 26th, and a game that I know you and I are both looking forward to, River City Saga Three Kingdoms, is releasing on July 21st. Yeah, this looks dope. That looks amazing. <laughs> Super it dope. looks so fucking good. I'm a big, obviously, I we talked about it last week, right, when we were talking about The Last Friend. I'm a big fan of beat-em-ups like you are. I'm just not so much into the the Plants vs. Zombies tower defense style gameplay, but I love me a good beat em up that's why i'm looking forward to uh river city girls 2 so much i'm looking forward to the new teenage mutant ninja turtle shredder's revenge so much i love a good fucking beat em up and river city saga three kingdoms looks like a goddamn good beat em up yeah yeah um i think we got it's called river city ransom we got ours i think it's known as kunio kun series um yeah over in japan yeah. that's what it's called yeah 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 i really like the first one i played it loads i've never finished it um, but I'm happy to get another. Give, give, give me more of that stuff. I'm up for yep, it. I agree. I'm looking forward to it. But unfortunately, that is the end of the Sean Waltman lightning round. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Sev, you know what that music means. It is time for the new release roulette. And we do actually have a decent amount of games to talk about this week. We have five games coming out and three of them, potentially four of them, I'm looking forward to. So let's run down this list. Game number one coming on Tuesday to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And it will be playable via Xbox Game Pass. It is Ayudin Chronicle Rising. Ayudin Chronicle Rising is an action RPG set in the same world as Ayudin Chronicle 100 Heroes, which is, of course, the spiritual successor to Suikoden. This game will feature town upgrading mechanics, which I say this every time, I always love, and fast-paced combat. Um, And it is a prequel to that 100 Heroes game. Mm-hmm. So I know that there was a preview that came out last month that some people were disappointed by because that preview didn't paint this game in the best of light. However, okay. it's Game Pass. It's free. If you have Game Pass, no reason not to check it out. Yeah, I said it's a sequel. 
it's a uh, it's a little taster of what we should be getting in 100 heroes. So uh, super sold. Did you like Suikoden? Um I played the first one, never finished it, but yeah, I am a fan of Suikoden series. I fucking love Suikoden, dude. I've played all five of them. Yeah. Obviously, two and three are still the standouts of that series, but um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to the actual game, Hundred Heroes, that's coming yeah, out yeah. next year. Where you, you know the, it's in the name of the game, right? Hundred Heroes, much like Suikoden, where you could uh, recruit like 120 party members to your to your team. Mm-hmm. Ayudin Chronicle is the same way. But this rising game, I'm not sure that 100 Heroes is going to have town building and town upgrading mechanics. I think this might be unique to rising. And I always love that kind of shit. So I will be there for this on Tuesday. And I will likely jump into it on Tuesday and hopefully fall in love with it. I wonder how long this game is going to be. Uh, I don't say 15 hours. I would imagine it might be somewhere around the 10 to 15 hour mark. I can't imagine it's going to be super lengthy since it's a prequel and kind of just like a smaller thing that they're doing because 100 Heroes was delayed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am looking forward to this game and I'm looking forward to downloading it on Tuesday. Game number two, also coming on Tuesday to PC, PS5 and PS4. It is Salt and Sacrifice, which I think Sean has on the Fantasy Critic League this year. Somebody does anyway. Somebody does. As a marked Inquisitor, you'll journey through the Western Frontier, pursuing, hunting, and obliterating the mages that roam the realm. Craft unique weapons and armor from the otherworldly flesh and bones of the mages that you destroy. Does he have this one on there? I'm still trying to log in, Brian. <laughs> Looks did, you play, did you play the original? Salt and Sacrifice, no, it looked like it'd be too hard for me. It's a side-scrolling Souls-like, isn't it? Sean does have it. And yes, it is a side-scrolling Souls-like game. Yeah, yeah, Sean does have it. He does. He needs to pick up some more games. Everybody else has their list kind of filled. Well, no. Frank and Jexax need to pick up some more games, too. But uh, everybody else kind of has their their list filled out on the Fantasy Critic League this year. And you gave me some shit about picking up The Last of Us Remake. I didn't think remakes were in there. And if any remakes are in there, then it'd be silly for no one's bit if, uh, if no one picked the Last of Us remake up. So that's that's, that's guaranteed a 90, right? Has to be. Has to be. Like, there's a reason I picked it up and I got it for a dollar. I'll take <laughs> it's it. It's because no one else thought it was eligible. I'll take it. <laughs> but you can click on you can click on the bids and you can click on all and it'll tell you what's like eligible and what isn't. <laughs> Fair. I saw you tried to pick up something that was not eligible because it's releasing internationally first. What was that? Oh, Digimon Survive. That's what it was. Yep. And you weren't able to grab Digimon Survive because of that. So you picked up the Outbound Ghost instead. I did. I thought I might as well put something in there. It doesn't look like my Advanced Wars is going to come out. My Stalker 2 or my Hollow Knight Silk Song. So my top three games are probably not coming. Yeah. And I'm, I'm imagining at some point this year, I will also be dropping... Um, the new Fire Emblem game that I have on my list and the new Donkey Kong game because those probably aren't going to come out this year. I just have them on there right now in case they do get announced around E3 time when Nintendo does their next big Direct because I have heard that the next Direct Nintendo has is supposed to be a pretty major one. So I'm leaving those on there for now, but I likely will drop those, especially after the Summer Game Fest and, you know, the Microsoft Xbox Bethesda Showcase um, I'm assuming we're going to get some pretty hefty announcements for this fall that all of us are going to be fighting over on Fantasy Critic to try to get on our lists. <laughs> However, I'm a little disappointed that the Jedi Fallen Order sequel was not announced on Star Wars Day like it was expected to be. 
But I did see that recent thing. Who posted that? Somebody posted it in Discord where it was potentially rumored to be tied to the new Obi-Wan show that's on Disney+. Plus. Okay. So there is potential. That was Viz that actually posted that uh, earlier today from Comic Years. So they might be waiting for that show to come out to actually confirm Jedi Fallen Order 2. And I'm looking forward to that game if it does make this year. That that first game was fucking phenomenal, dude. Fair. I didn't play it. Just on the, um, the fantasy credit, just to let you know, Brian, if we do go to a bidding war, you've only got $80, whereas I have $89. So I can outbid you on anything. I know. Sean still has 100 <laughs> Frank still has 100 Jexax still has 100 uh, where's Viz? Oh, Viz still has 95 bucks. Look at him. He could actually jump in there for some bidding wars too. What could Viz drop? I don't know if he, I don't know how he, he might drop Valkyrie Elysium. There's no way that's going to do well. Don't let him believe you. Shh. Don't tell him. I think he thinks it's going to do well. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to play the meta, Brian. We've got to play the meta. <laughs> there's no way it. that game does well. <laughs> And there's also probably no way that the Knights of the Old Republic remake comes out this year, so he might be able to drop those two and, and go yeah. into a bidding war with us. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Viz, Valkyrie Elysium's going to be a 95 on Open Critic, bud. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> FIFA, FIFA 23 on Switch. Lock it in. <laughs> Game number three. I'm really looking forward to this one. It's also coming on Tuesday to PC. We were here forever. You both awaken imprisoned inside the sinister castle rock. Were you betrayed or simply not that clever? Find out in the newest co-op puzzle adventure in the We Were Here series. Do you and your partner have what it takes to face the dark forces of this realm or will you be trapped forever? Frank and I have played through all of these games together Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that we will do this one together as well. But if we aren't able to schedule it, because I know his schedule and my schedules don't really align that well anymore, I may try to talk Sean into playing this with me, too. Uh, isn't Frank on Mountain Time? Frank is on Mountain Time. Okay. <laughs> General Mountain Time. Mountain Standard Time. <laughs> Have you played any of these games, dude? They are so fun. No, see, I... Uh, we ranked it for Thunderdome this we were here forever and I, I wasn't even sure what kind of game it was and no, I've never actually played any of them I think the first two are even free yeah yeah like they're free games on Steam or something like that or if they're not free okay. they're super cheap and this one I don't think is going to be that expensive I was looking at it before we started recording on Steam there's no price assigned to it yet um but yeah, these games are dope, dude. They're so much fun. And they require you, or maybe I could even talk Kyle into playing it with me, but they require you to work together, like utilizing the voice chat in the game in order to like talk back and forth on the walkie-talkie and solve puzzles. Okay, that's cool. And it requires two people to solve the puzzles in each room, more or less. Like, you know, in, in the second one, there was a chessboard where one of us was looking at the solution and the other one was like trying to solve the solution and like we were trying to do, all right now you're going to move this over here and that over there like it's a really cool fucking style of game that I've always appreciated so I'm hoping this one does well and the graphics for this one look really impressive they looks way better than the other two did so looking forward to it I'm intrigued by this game this is the other one that I'm intrigued by game number four coming on Thursday to PC PS5 PS4 and Nintendo Switch It's the Centennial Case, a Shijima story. The Centennial Case, a Shijima story is a new, unique mystery adventure game. 
directed by Kochiro Ito and with Yasuhito Tachibana as the cinematographer and scenario director, it is a beautiful yet thrilling live-action footage game that intertwines with mysteries to solve, creating highly immersive gameplay. The player follows a chain of murders which take place over the span of a century. Four murders have been committed in three different time periods, 1922, 1972, and this year, 2022. Each episode is comprised of three parts, the incident phase, the reasoning phase, and the solution phase, inviting players to seamlessly enter this world of mystery. Explore these time periods, collect multiple clues, and solve a 100-year mystery. I like detective games. Yeah, I'm a fan of the um, the Sherlock Holmes I've done there. Was it the Devil's Order and Crime and Punishment? Yeah, like there's a few ones. of them that are actually, you know, and, and I've always been a big fan of, like, the detective elements of the Arkham series and Batman, how yeah. you have to, like, solve things in there. I've always loved that. Um, the live action part of this game throws me off a little bit because, you know, you're actually looking at real people. You're not looking at computerized graphics or anything like that. But that could be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll just see what the live action stuff is. Yeah. I don't know that I'll pick this up right away. I may try to grab it on sale, but this is something that I'm definitely intrigued by. And if the reviews are good, I may jump into it sooner than I anticipated. I like detective style shit, so we'll have to see. Game number five coming on Friday that I just don't care about. It's coming to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. It's Evil Dead The Game. Step into the shoes of Ash Williams or his friends from the iconic Evil Dead franchise and work together in a game loaded with over-the-top co-op and PvP multiplayer action. Play as a team of four survivors, exploring, looting, managing your fear, and finding key items to seal the breach between worlds in a game inspired by all three original Evil Dead films, as well as the Ash vs. Evil Dead television series. I'm fairly certain we all had this ranked relatively low on Thunderdome. Yeah, I haven't got my list of hand, but yeah. I it was like the bottom two for me, if I'm not mistaken. But sounds right, right. Yeah, unless this game has got all its ducks in a row on the day of launch, which are usually like asymmetrical multiplayer games like Dead by Daylight. They usually don't run consistently. No, there's usually, there's usually a time period of fixes and making the game better, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be clamoring to pick this one up. No, me neither. Um, who? What do I think is going to score the highest on Open Critic this week? I am going to go with Salt and Sacrifice scoring the highest on Open Critic, and I am going to go with Evil Dead the game scoring the lowest. Oh. See, you you picked exactly what I was going to go for. Um, That's I, okay. You and I are allowed to agree sometimes, Sev. Yeah, I do. Hashtag agree with Brian. You um, should agree with Brian. Yeah, Alien Chronicles, as you said, the previews weren't um, super responsive, so that probably might, might not hit. I have no there idea. Is a chan- there is a chance that could be the lowest re- uh, lowest rated, but I think Evil Dead's going to beat it out somewhere in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see this score under a 60, to be honest. Um, and then come back and get better later on down the line, but uh, I think it will open quite poorly. I would love to see We Were Here Forever score the highest, though. I think that would be freaking dope. That would be so cool if it did. Um, my pick of the week this week is Ayudin Chronicle Rising. Yeah, I know I'm allowed to agree with you all the time, but I'm not going to agree with you all the time just for the sake of that. Uh, so this this week, I'm going to give it to another game you like to sign up. I'm going to give it to We Were Here Forever. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like that a lot. That is your new release roulette for this week. We'll see how it goes. 
I'm excited for some of these games. I'm looking forward to jumping into them. Sev, you and I were talking before we sat down to record. I did not realize there is an actual video game Hall of Fame. Did you realize that? No, not until you told me. I know the Easy Allies uh, Hall of Fame video games. but Yeah, they have their own, like, Hall of Fame, right. But this is an actual legit Hall of Fame that has been around for about seven years. It is housed within the Strong National Museum of Play that is over in Rochester, New York. And we found out the four games, right? Four, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, four games that are going into the Hall of Fame this year. And I'm a little shocked that two of these games have not been in the Hall of Fame already since it debuted seven years ago. So, first of all, let's talk about the four games that are going into the class of 2022 for the Video Game Hall of Fame. And then we're going to run down all of the games that are currently in the Hall of Fame since I didn't know this existed. So our first game that's going into the class of 2022 is The Undertaker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is Dance Dance Revolution. Okay, fair enough. I was never a, I was never a Dance Dance Revolution player, um, but I know it did have an impact. Pretty it had big, a yeah. huge impact, right? Like this game is still super popular in arcades. And I always love to see when people, um, they finish games using the DDR map. Well. Oh, dude, that's funny. that's so fucking impressive when people can do that. Dan and I have a friend that was very big into, and I don't remember if Dan was big into Dance Dance Revolution. I don't think he was. But him and I had a, have a friend that we went to high school with. His name is Mike. And he was very big into DDR and was quite good at it. And I want to say, Dan, if you're listening, you'll have to reach out and remind me. I want to say we had a time in one of our classes where he actually brought the game and the pad into school and like did a presentation on Dance Dance Revolution. (laughs) Nice. I don't know why I remember that. I'm hoping I'm not making that up. Um, that might be just a memory that I've created in my head that never actually happened, but I swear it did. So I'm hoping that, uh, that Dan will hear this and we'll reach out with, with some updates on that because you know what? I never got into DDR much, but I did enjoy the hell out of the Mario dance dance revolution game. Uh, I remember there was a, there was like a dance, a dance mini game on, uh, was it Bishy Bashy special where you had to hit like the up, down, left and right. That was always one of my favorite dance, uh, mini games on there. But yeah. Did you did you like DK Jungle Beat where you had to actually use the bongo drums? So I don't think I played that one. I enjoyed the hell out of that too. Yeah. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Our next game going into the Hall of Fame this year is Sid Meier's Civilization. I think that's the wrong pick. What do you think it should have been Pirates for Sean? Yeah, for Sean. <laughs> this one's for the dreamers. This one's for the homie. Yeah, should have been Sid Meier's Pirates, right? Should have been. But you know what, dude? Civ is such a massive series. Again, this is one that I'm shocked has not already been in the Video Game Hall of Fame since it's been around for seven years. Um, It's one of the best RTS games around, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got got six. um, Revolution. Revolution. Yeah, the one that came out on the the consoles. I love that game. Um, Yeah, Sid Meier's is a classic. Yeah, Civilization I've, is a classic. I've played a lot of the Civ games. I put some time into six. I put some time into five. I've put some time into, I think, all of them except for a few. Maybe the earlier ones I didn't jump into. But I always enjoy these games, man. I always enjoy the historical presentation, some of the stuff that they choose to explore, um, some of the stories that they tell, right? Because they're all generally shit that happened. 
Like, I mean, obviously you can, you get into elements that didn't quite happen, but a lot of the wars and stuff that you're going through are grounded in reality. These games are mm-hmm. relatively fun and there's a reason that, you know, they do so well when they come out and they always have amazing soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. I forget which one it was that was that released like 10 or so years ago, but it has this like amazing vocal track in it. Beyond Earth is that a okay. Civ, is that a Civ game? I'm not sure. To be honest with you, I think it is. I'm gonna have to do some research right now. Let me see. Sid Meier Civilization series. I want to say it is Beyond Earth, but let's see. Yeah, Civilization Beyond Earth came out in 2014 on PC, and there is a track in that game that is just mind blowing that we've played on BG Mania before. It is seriously one of the most impressive things ever. <laughs> It's so good. The soundtrack's always dope for this game, or the series, I should say. And again, shocked it's not been in there before. Like, you would think that, honestly, you would think all four of the games we're talking about right now would have been in, like, the first two or three classes because of how pivotal these games are to the video game industry. But I guess when we get to the list, we'll see if anything else really stood out more, I guess, because we're going to run down the entire list here at the end. Yeah, definitely. Brian, I just want to check out that photo I sent you. (laughs) <laughs> Sev Meyers Butt Pirates. I think I've got a new Discord name. Yeah. You do. <laughs> you do. You need to change it up. <laughs> Our third game going into the Hall of Fame this year is Miss Pac-Man. Well deserved. Well deserved. I spent so much time in the arcades, on the Atari, in collections, playing not only the original Pac-Man, but Miss Pac-Man. My grandma and I put so much time into this game together when I was a kid. I have so many fond memories with Pac-Man. There's That's part of the reason I'm looking forward to the Pac-Man collection that's coming out soon, because of the memories I have playing Pac-Man with my grandma. Like, these games are special, and these games, they're simple, but they're very addicting. Yeah, I, I can respect that. Um, Pac-Man's not um, really my thing. I did, I do have memories of playing it yeah, as a child um, and never getting past what's in like stage two or three. Um, it's tough, tough when you're a kid to get past those yeah, early levels. Yeah. And we used to have, um, we used to have it at the local. It was like at the local clubhouse, and it only take the machine would only take old ten pence coins. So you'd have to take your money to the counter, um, and uh, whoever was working there would give you. Um, like or just a bunch of old ten pence coins, and you put them in this machine, and it was a you know where they do like the face down glass, so that like yes. the, the yeah the screen's like inside the table rather than it being a stand up cabinet. Frank had one of those at his old pizza shop in Colorado. Did he? Yep. Yeah, they're they're really cool. Like, and that's where I remember. That's where I played Pac-Man as a child. Yep. Yeah, I remember when I visited Frank's pizza shop when I was visiting him in Colorado at one point. Uh, he actually had one, and I sat at that table, and I was just watching this Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool, man. Super cool. And then our fourth and final game going into the Hall of Fame this year is the one that I feel like deserves it the most, and I'm shocked wasn't in there day one, and that's The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I think um, when you ask people best games ever made, like Ocarina of Time is usually within the first two or three games that are ever uttered out of anyone's lips, off anyone's lips. Um, so why why it's taken seven years to put Ocarina in there is uh, is beyond me. 
Yep. And what's amazing is that it's going in there before the one that everybody else seems like it's better than, which is A Link to the Past. A Link to the Past, I'm looking at the list now because we're getting ready to go over the entire list. Not in there. Um, It will be at some point. Mm -hmm. But Ocarina of Time still is probably my favorite Legend of Zelda game. There is a Legend of Zelda in there, if I'm not wrong. That's just the original. That's just the oh, NES okay. version. Yep, just the NES version for, for how pivotal that was for its time. But honestly, man, I feel like Ocarina of Time did so much for video games. It really kind of created the formula that we see for open worlds before open worlds were really a thing. And it created this like massive, sweeping, epic style of game that... It's still untouchable, in my opinion. I know Breath of the Wild is probably one of the better Zelda games to come out in a long fucking time. But Ocarina of Time, man, it still holds a place in my heart. And I don't know that it'll ever be it'll ever be removed. Kind of like Super Mario 64. Like, I love Odyssey, but I don't know that anything's ever going to beat Super Mario 64 for me just because of how pivotal that was for gaming. You know, taking Mario into a 3D landscape, showing that 3D games can actually be good, utilizing the analog stick as well as Nintendo figured out how to do it because, you know, the analog stick, uh, we we had seen it previously a little bit, but you look at how Sony utilized it on the original PlayStation and it just wasn't nearly as fluid and it didn't feel nearly as good until they started doing the DualShock stuff. Um the N64, I know it didn't do quite well, but it had some really amazing ideas and it showcased what gaming could become in the future. Yeah, so I, I never owned an N64 um, when it was first around. I did pick one up later on. I did play, I played a bit of Ocarina and I played a bit of Mario 64, but they're not, um, for, for me, they're not like, they're not part of my nostalgia growing up, if you get me. So they don't, they don't hold that much of a place. Well, you missed out, man. You yeah. fucking missed out on some good shit. That's for sure. You really did. You really did. Too busy playing backstage assault, weren't I? <laughs> you were. Some of the <laughs> worst fucking shit in there. <laughs> All right. So the Video Game Hall of Fame has been around for seven years. Does that mean they always do four games? Let's see. Year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, six... Seven. No, they've done more than four games before because that wouldn't make sense. So let there's 36 games and 36 divided by seven is not four. It is 5.14. So there has been some years where they've entered more games than just four. But let's run down the list of all 36 games that are in the World Video Game Hall of Fame. And I think a lot of these deserve it. Tetris, Super Mario Bros. on the NES, the original Pac-Man, World of Warcraft, which must have been in year one, which is amazing, but I agree with that. It is still the MMO that showcased what MMOs could do, and it's still going strong almost 20 years later. Well, not strong, but still going anyway. The original Doom, Pong, Grand Theft Auto 3, The Oregon Trail. So are we taking this, because this list, um, at the very end of the list is Civilization, Miss Pac-Man, Ocarina of Time, and DDR. Yep. Are we this taking is the, this? This is the order that they went in. Okay, so we're saying year one was Tetris, Super Mario Bros., Pac-Man, and World of Warcraft. Potentially, unless they did five or six that year. They might have done Doom that year. They might, you know what I mean? Like, there have been years where there has been yeah, more than four. Yeah. But this is the order that they went in, yes. Yep. 
So yeah, yeah, it's crazy that we didn't get Ocarina of Time in, and we got Grand Theft Auto Three. We got the Oregon Trail, right? Right, and we got yeah. The I original Legend of Zelda is in there, as we mentioned before. The Sims, which I do think deserves it. I think The Sims is a very pivotal series that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Halo Combat Evolved, which is the original Halo. I could maybe argue that Halo Two or Three should have been instead of that one. Street Fighter Two. Donkey Kong, which I'm assuming is the original Donkey Kong on the NES. Okay. Pokemon Red and Green. Tomb Raider. Again, I'm assuming the original Tomb Raider. Space War, which I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Me neither. Space... Oh my god. Space War came out in April 1962. Why wasn't that number one then? It was one of the original video games to be created for the DEC PDP-1 mini computer at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology by Steve Russell back in 1962. I like that you said it was called a mini computer, but I bet that's like five times the size of Dan. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it kind of looks like an old CRT monitor, actually. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But the computer that the guy is programming it on is about five times the size of Dan. Yes. Yeah. And he looks like he's using dot matrix stuff to program it, which is okay. fucking insane. Um, John Madden football, which I, I, I agree with that. I think Madden definitely deserves a place in the Hall of Fame. Final Fantasy VII, Super Mario Kart, Mortal Kombat, Microsoft Solitaire, Colossal Cave Adventure, which is a text-based adventure game released back in 1976 for the same type of computer that uh, Space War was developed on. Okay. Minecraft, King's Quest, Centipede, Bejeweled. Wow, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego is in the Hall of Fame? I don't hate that game. I actually love that game. On the PC, and I used to love that TV show as a kid, let me tell you. My friend Craig and I used to call each other up on the phone, on the landline phone, and we would watch it together, uh, and it was always fun. But (laughs) I remember playing those games on PC and loving them as a kid. I can't imagine they were that good, though, going back to them. Crazy that's in the Hall of Fame, but I imagine it's because of how maybe pivotal it was for its time. I don't know. StarCraft... Microsoft Flight Simulator, Animal Crossing, which I absolutely agree with, and then our latest four, Sid Meier's Civilization, Ms. Pac-Man, Dance Dance Revolution, and The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. See, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's a glaring omission here for me. Um, well, there's two, really. Uh, there's no Dragon Quest in here. No that. Dragon Quest, in, in which is a huge omission, I think, right? Yeah. Like, there sh- should be, like, one of the Dragon Quests should definitely be in here. I don't know which one, but their Dragon Quest deserves to be in here, especially for how amazing and groundbreaking it was for the Japanese culture. Like, people took time off work like they had to make it a national holiday because so many people called off work to pick up dragon quest back in the day right well your, your dragon quest is i don't want to say it's the the epitome reason but your dragon quest is why you've got final fantasy is why you've got pokemon um, absolutely so, so yeah it should be in there and then also on the same hand where's chrono trigger like that's yeah that's where is chrono you trigger get, you get her thrown around uh, some of the best games ever um so to me like this is a pretty cool idea but it maybe seems like it's not run by gamers if you get me right there's more there might be an ag- not necessarily an agenda but maybe some political strings or something for some of these being in there right because some of these 
some of these, you know, I feel like, yeah, they, they probably deserve to be there, but there's other things that deserve to be there before those are there. Yeah. So if we, if we look like down the list, we get every, every four or five spaces, we get a retro game. Um, so that might be the every, every year they put in. Is that like the, the retro wing of the WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. Like we've or got the celebrity wing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got in because people know your name, sort of thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some omissions to this list. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on it and we'll see how it's doing in. Yeah, in a it's few gonna years be time. it's gonna be something that I that I remember exists now, and I want to see each year what goes in. Like again, this is the first I've actually seen that it exists. So I I, I have to assume I've I had to have crossed paths with this before, but I just never really paid attention to it. But now that I know this is here, I want to see what gets added over the next few years and see like you know where are some of these other games that were groundbreaking for its time, like you said, Chrono Trigger, Dragon Quest, but also things like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if WWF No Mercy was in there at some point. I was thinking that No Mercy, yeah, Haze, that should be in there. Like just some of these games that were very pivotal for its genre. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on it. It's an interesting concept, and I wonder, because this actually exists in the, like I said, in the um, Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, I wonder if this is something where you could actually go and, like, see these. You know what I mean? Like, I'm imagining you can't play them, but I wonder if you could go and actually, like, see them and if they're on display or something like that. That would be kind of dope. Yeah. I'm just sat here now thinking, what, how many games are going to go in? Like, how many games are going to go in after Skylanders Spyro's Adventure goes in? I feel like that would be a game that'll end up in the Hall of Fame while others get snubbed. Right. Skylanders likely will be in there at some point. You are 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) You are 100% correct on that. Yep. Oh, man. But you know what that music means, Sev. It is time to jump into a little kickstart my heart before we get on out of here. And I found something that I think you might be into where you can play, pause, and plan in a stylish, retro, futuristic roguelite blending action and strategy elements. The name of this game is Remnants of the Rift. And we have been talking about games that have been doing quite well on Kickstarter over the last several weeks. This one, not doing so well. So it definitely needs some help if it's going to make it. But we'll get to that. Uh, Remnants of the Rift, again, is a stylish, strategic, real-time action roguelike game where you can play, pause, and plan the fast-paced gameplay at any time. Dive into another dimension, make some coin, survive otherworldly encounters, and make yourself whole again by uncovering buried truths. Through Morgan, and with the help of some friends, you will explore the otherworldly dimension known only as the Bost, a place rife with danger, treasure, and hopefully answers. Use your smarts and defy death in electrifying fast place gameplay as you dive into this new reality and uncover the stories and secrets its inhabitants hold. So under features, it says unique tactical battle system combining real-time action and time-freezing strategy. Every dive is different. Change your strategies on the fly to encounter a dimension in flux. Gain reputation with various factions to unlock new skills and learn more about their world and the boss. A hyper-stylish retro future set to a catchy original soundtrack. 
discover the secrets of the pocket dimension and fight to unravel the mysteries of your new life. Meet a cast of roguish characters and factions as you dive, dimension hop, and defy death in your quest to best the boss. It'll have full localization in English and Spanish, and it is intended to release on all current generation consoles and PC with full controller support. So looking at this initially, before we get into the combat, before we get into the other elements that this game has, what do you think? Just taking a quick glance. So my first my first impressions is definitely intriguing. Uh, as you said, we'll get into the combat and go on that. The art style is very reminiscent of um, it's got Persona 5 vibes, to be fair. Persona 5 in the way that uh, the... The heads-up um, display. Like the the heads-up, yeah, I was going to say, the heads-up display and the way that it kind of goes back and forth between the stuff on screen. It really does kind of look like how stylish Persona 5 was. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of looks like Disgaea to me in some elements that I thought you might appreciate. Yeah, so we're definitely seeing, like... Um, Everything's for on a grid. Uh, yes. what, we're, what we're seeing from the top GIF is that I don't know whether this is just moving it around just to show the GIF uh, in action, the game in action. It does look um, it sort of vibes of like Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Oh, maybe, yeah. Sort of like bouncing around. Obviously, because like, it said nothing about bouncing around to the beat, but it did say like real time combat in a, with a strategy. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, and where you're able to pause and plan at any time and like move around and do shit like it looks like the boss is actually doing an ability there in that gif and it looks like it goes into like a pause almost where the character is moving out of the way yes, of yeah. the attacks which is kind of a interesting mechanic to have like that's kind of something i don't know that i've seen before yeah so one of the, one of the reasons i struggle with um like real-time combat is because um, i lose concentration a lot and then like by the time i'm supposed to by the time I realise I'm supposed to press the block button, I haven't pressed it, and then I press it. So then I go into like a sort of self-imposed state of like locking myself out. If you get me, like I, I dodge too late, and then I get hit with the follow-up attack because I was already out of the way. I was already in the way because I dodged late. Um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, I tend to agree with that for sure. Um, and obviously, sometimes when games have like a not necessarily like a a punishment for not dodging but like you get locked and you're unable to move so then you just take up all those follow-up attacks that kind of sucks <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's exactly what i was trying to say to be fair. yeah um, yeah um so let's talk about the combat here combat and remnants of the rift sees players diving into the bast into the technicolor unknown and fighting to defend morgan's dimension hopping modulators from otherworldly creatures called megan which is m-e-g-i-n Lose your modulators, modulators, lose your modulators, and your current dive into the boss will come to an end. Strategy is key. Every move you make takes place in real time, but stop the flow of time using Morgan's aim mode and embrace preparation and planning before each move and decide on the best approach to clear each stage. So there are skills that you'll be able to get. It says stopping time is great, but without Morgan's array of powerful skills, they'd still end up toast at the hands of the Megan. Use your smarts and choose which four skills to equip before each run. 
different threats call for different combinations. And it talks about two of the skills that you'll be able to unlock on your journey, which is the Prana Shot, aiming your weapon in any direction and shooting, which is pretty straightforward. It says, as simple as it sounds, the Prana Shot is one of the skills you may not want to leave behind while you are starting out in your first boss dives. Simple, efficient, very cool to look at, and it should do a decent enough job keeping Megan at bay. And there's also Transference. Transference is a short-range mobility skill that gives Morgan the ability to switch places with any chosen Megan. Use this skill to buy yourself some time by keeping enemies away from the modulators, or maybe try setting up combos with different skills or even the Megan's own attacks. And then it goes into the mods a bit as well, where you'll be able to equip regular mods onto your self to upgrade your attributes and your skills, special mods which can transform the way a skill works entirely, such as the shotgun shot, which changes the prana shot into a short range, heavy damage, grid covering beast of an attack. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. That kind of looks neat. And the way that, uh, man, dude, you're right. You nailed it with this Persona 5 presentation. You fucking <laughs> nailed it in that. I wouldn't have caught on to that unless you said that. But now that you said it, that's all I can see. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's regular mods that are less fancy than special mods, but just as essential. There are, let's see here. The scenery itself can turn into a challenge for Morgan. Dangerous tiles around the map can change your approach in combat. From tiles that stop you from moving for a few but crucial seconds to tiles that invert your controls. Nonetheless, these same risks can be used in your favor. The Megan are not immune to them. If you plan your position carefully, you can trick your opponents into taking a step into an unfavorable situation. Which it looks like they put the enemy into like the goo and shit, which is kind of cool, kind of neat. Um, so there's different enemies that comprise the Megan. There's the snake, the tanks some question marks, which sort of looks like a Loch Ness monster almost. Um, Is it a, like a Lapras or something? It looks like a Pokemon, sort of. doesn't it? Yeah. Almost does look like a Pokemon, yeah. There are elements of your apartment. It says, after a dive into another dimension packed with dangerous encounters, it's critical for Morgan to have somewhere to return to. Morgan's very sweet and very stylish apartment is your hub in Remnants of the Rift and the perfect place to wind down before starting your intense preparations for your next dive. Visiting each room in Morgan's apartment is going to be essential if you want to keep diving. So in each room, you'll be able to customize your loadout, buy upgrades for your skills, talk with other characters, review different factions, embark on your next mission, and of course, pet your dog, Mook. Yeah, I'm seeing the pet and the dog in the gift. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying it even more. Um, yeah, and your apartment's got a really, uh, it's like a 70s vibe to it. It does, yeah. Very, very 70s style. Yes, absolutely. Which is kind of neat. It says, each time you complete a dive, you will be rewarded with credits depending on your performance. Make sure to use these credits to acquire skills and upgrades before heading out. Unlike Loot River, where they just erase all the aspects that you do when you do a dive. Yep. Love it. Uh, Different characters in here that it talks about. Morgan, Thomas, Juno, Moog the Dog. Um, different factions that you'll interact with, and of Dog's course the cool. soundtrack. It's that Moog. It's a dog called Moog. Dog is called Moog. Cool. It is a rescued dog from the streets. Uh, he rescued him from the streets as a puppy. He says, rather clingy, but quite the good boy. His favorite spot is near Morgan and by the doorstep when Morgan isn't home. Fucking <laughs> love it. Not the most visually appealing dog, but never say that anywhere near Morgan. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. 
I love this presentation, dude. This this art style is rad. I like yeah, this a yeah. lot. I hope this game makes it. Like we talked about, it's not doing so well on Kickstarter right now. There are still 24 days to go. There's only 77 backers. Uh, this team is based out of Mexico, so they're obviously looking for pesos. Um, converted to U.S. dollars, it is 25,074 U.S. dollars, and they're only sitting at 3,344 which is not much. I'm not confident this game's going to make it, but I do hope that somebody will pick this up and publish it for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, it would be a shame to see something this creative not actually make it. Yep, and if you want to help out, you can pledge 20 US dollars. You'll get your name in the credits, a digital copy of the game when it comes out, HD wallpapers for PC and your phone, plus their eternal gratitude and access to exclusive backer channels on the Discord. And there's tiers all the way up to uh, $745, which I was going to say I can't imagine anyone would do, but then I saw there was a $1,000 tier that somebody did do. So okay. only it was only one person eligible, and somebody did it. They pledged $1,000 to this game. So almost a third of this game's funding so far has been from one person, which is a little sad. Yeah, yeah. It may, maybe, maybe just the fact that it's not got eyes on it, people aren't seeing it, that's why they're not pledging to it. Right. So let's hope this picks up steam because I would like to see this release, whether it is funded through Kickstarter or whether a smaller studio does pick it up and want to actually publish this for the team. Again, I think there's a lot to enjoy here and a lot to fall in love with. We'll just have to see how it does. If you're interested, go check it out. Kickstarter.com. The name of this game, Remnants of the Rift. But Sev, I think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. Nope, I think I've done my part, Brian. All right. Well, unfortunately, that is going to bring us to the close of the show this week. We do want to thank you for sticking around and listening to another episode of Max Level. And of course, it is time for the personal playlist or the pinnacle potential or for Sev, the famous last words. We are. Do Do you have some famous last words for us this week, Sev? I do. And we're going with the classic Beethoven. You said, friends applaud. The comedy is over. This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media as well as to our Discord server and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode. 